Gets open for three. Dagger! The kick in. Here it comes. Swing and a miss. And a World Series Game 7 winning Curly W is in the books. Washington Capitals are the 2018 Stanley Cup champions. You like that? You like that? I like that. You gotta like that, right? My approval ratings keep going up. Sorry to keep you waiting, complicated business. Welcome in. This is Defeating the Curse. My name is Joe. Stevie, welcome back on Mike 2. Stevie, I haven't talked to you since Virginia went red, buddy. What's going on over there? I see you smiling. You must be happy about this, right? Good to see you, brother. Oh, I mean, I'm always smiling when I get to see you, but... Uh... Virginia being red, I think we're going to get to that later in the show, hopefully. But uh, we, we we might land on the same side. I don't want to put the punchline here and give away the punchline. But we might. I know, uh, I know we're going to land on the same side. Leave, leave, leave it to Terry McAuliffe to, to bring me and you together, okay? We well, listen. We will always be together, Stevie. It's good to see you too. I, I know you've been you've been doing different things, but it's always nice to be able to come back, reset. It was a bye week for the Washington football team. The World Series ended. It was a, very much also a bye week for us here on the show. Uh, I, sometimes, you know, the early bye weeks in the season, we end up taking our break a little early. It's kind of hard to keep the foot on the gas the whole way through. But, you know, this at this point of the season, taking a week off or, or at least one or two shows off, it's nice just to kind of regroup and reset. A lot of interesting things happened around the NFL. I'm not going to assume that you watched anything, but did you watch something? Um, about five minutes of red zone. I love me. I saw Scott Hansen have an orgasm. Can I say orgasm? I saw Scott Hansen have an orgasm over Josh Allen, sacking Josh Allen over intercepting Josh Allen with Josh Allen, uh, How bad was recovery, that Josh Allen. I mean, we, we do very little stick around here, but I, that, that was super annoying. <laughs> it got really, really quick. It was, it was really bad. It was, it was really bad. And, it, and it's bad. unfortunate because one Josh Allen had a career game and one had a very Worse than pedestrian game, but it was all lost on the bad stick. I mean, Boomer did it. I don't. Do you ever watch the um, the ESPN Plus uh, like recap show? Remember NFL primetime with yeah, the music yeah, and the rumbling, bumbling. Yeah, Tom Jackson and Boomer. It's not Tom anymore. It's Booger now. But yes, that's the show. Yeah. The, even like everyone did that stick. Everyone was on it, and we can get to that game in a bit. But I, the NFL was very weird. Uh, I mean, very weird. I mean, we can pick that game to start if you want, but. If you had told me last week that the Jags would only score nine points in the game, and that was the only information that you and I had, we would mortgage our homes and put every dollar to our name that the Bills would win outright. And for them to go and and just put six points, I mean, I don't know where you got them in your power ranking, but they fell a whole, I mean, Man, the Bills, I think, like slipped four or five spots in my power rankings. We can talk about that in a little bit as well. But that was a terrible showing from a team that if they're going to make some noise as the season progresses, these are the games you got to win. I mean, Jacksonville had no business winning that game, Stevie. Well, well, if they slipped in your power rankings, I hope the Dallas Cowboys slipped in your power rankings as well because it seems like, you you know, I think the greater lesson here is that the NFL is a week-to-week kind of league and – you know, it's really hard to take, uh, you know, one game in a vacuum and surmise, uh, you know, that this team's in trouble. Like the, the Bills, they're going to be fine. The Cowboys are going to be fine. I think, you know, we're at a point in the season now where we can start looking at the totality of a team's kind of body of work as opposed to week in and week out. And I don't want to get on the overreactions, uh, especially for the Cowboys 
and uh, <coughs> and uh, the Bills. But I, I mean, you could look at it like again. You look at a team like the Cardinals, who you know they were high on the power rankings, and without Kyler Murray, without uh, Chase Edmonds went down, they no still Hopkins, find a way to win. No Green. I mean, no no receivers, no running back, no MVP caliber quarterback. If I'm not mistaken. One Colt McCoy was the came one that came in, and I think he completed some like eighty something percent of his twenty two of twenty six or twenty two well, of twenty seven. It, it didn't cross the line of scrimmage. This throws okay. That's that was fine. That was a Mark Brunel performance right it there. It was uh, it was better than anything Mr. Heineke's done here in D.C. Right. So for all the the Colt fans out there or Colt haters, whatever, I, I don't want to talk about that. But my point is, and your point really is true. I think at this point we can start to really look at teams from a more uh, from a wider vantage point. Uh, I mean, I killed the Packers in week one. The Packers went out there and, and you know, if Aaron Rodgers is playing, they, they probably beat the Chiefs by 30 points given the way the Chiefs have been playing recently, right? So um, the bigger story really is, that, you know, for for all these years, there's been a quarterback sitting behind Aaron Rodgers that all of a sudden, you know, if you're Green Bay, you're thinking, okay, maybe Aaron can walk, we'll be okay. And in the span of one game, that that narrative changed completely to we can't we can't afford to have him walk. The team would be in significant trouble. I mean, that was a, just a bad performance all around from Mister Love. But well, you know, well, well, just to get on that game to stay on that game, you're talking about Green Bay. Going back to my point about a, a team's body of work, Kansas City is in trouble. Okay, I mean, this is a week in week out type thing right now, and every single week we say this is going to be their get right game. They're going to be fine. Mahomes, Hill, Kelsey, all those weapons. They're not going to be fine. They're not going to be fine. This is who they are for this season at the very least. And whether they can sneak into the playoffs or not, you know, right now they're sitting at five and four. They look. Well, they don't look like a playoff team. They don't look like a playoff team. And Mahomes, all the, and and I, I know I've talked about this in the past, all the cutesy stuff that got them all that praise in seasons past, the, the, the slinging from the hip, the side arming out of the pocket, all that stuff is now catching up with him. And all of a sudden, either the zip isn't there, the accuracy isn't there, the playmakers downfield aren't able to make the plays. I mean, Travis Kelsey looks like a shell of himself. I mean, I know he caught a touchdown in that game, but he, he doesn't he look fumbles. mobile. He, he doesn't yeah, – something something's just off. I mean, they can't, they can't run the ball effectively. Mahomes is making some silly ter- – I mean, silly passes. I mean, rookie-level mistakes. They The team is in trouble. I, I And the defense is not helping either, right? The defense is very porous, so – yeah, I mean they're they're in trouble. I mean they're they're well outside of my top ten. I mean and where they belong, to be honest. I I know they can they can get out there and score points, probably in bunches. But I mean that they are way off their form from a couple of years ago when they were you know basically you know just pencil them in basically for the Super Bowl year in year out. They're not there anymore. You know the Packers again for me the Packers were dead after Week One. That Joe Barry defense was pathetic and it still has some issues with it, but. Again, if you've got Aaron Rodgers, and I think he's slated to return on Saturday, if I'm not mistaken, uh, I'm sure you have some thoughts on his vac situation or lack thereof. But regardless, I would imagine if he is two tests, you know, good to go basically by Saturday, which would be his first day of eligibility back. I mean, there's no there's no scenario where Green Bay doesn't start him, in your opinion, right? I mean, if he's available, he's got to go in. Why, why, why wouldn't they start him? What, 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 mean, what, because what? of the because of the cancel mob or the blue check brigade that wants his head or whatever. I mean, some of his advertisers now are coming out and saying we're standing by. Like he's allowed to have an opinion, allowed to have a voice. He himself actually the soundbite of the week was, you know, I'm going to paraphrase it, but the right's going to champion me and the left is going to try to cancel me, and I don't give a shit about either of them. Uh, they're they're all frauds. Politics is frauds, and uh, politics are well, fraud. And, and yeah. Aaron Rodgers is a fraud. I think we both can agree on that. 
In what sense? Um, you mean off the field stuff? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Off the yeah, 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 on the field, he's one of the best quarterbacks in the world. But um, yeah, I, I have a problem with people who think they're smarter than everyone else. I've got a lot of, I got a lot of experience dealing with those kind of people, and those people are the worst people, right? Because you, you know that smugness, that arrogance, that willingness to lie straight to your face, the willingness to be cheeky in his responses and say, I'm immunized, not vaccinated. That's all that brash arrogance that says, I know better than you. I'm smarter than you. I don't need to explain myself to you. And I think it, it literally bit him in the Rona, you know, it bit him in the butt, you, you know, and <clears throat> he, he, he deserves to be suspended. I really believe that. I think the NFL should come down on him. Not uh, not suspension, suspension is tough. What what are you suspending him for? For not for being an asshole. COVID? Yeah, well, being an asshole. <laughs> well, that's. I mean, then most of the league would be suspended, and most of the owners, including no, one here in no, DC, would be removed permanently. But you're suspended for. Yeah. Well, you're right. That's a great actually equation. Dan Snyder thinks he's above the rules. He thinks the rules don't apply to him. He thinks he can do whatever he wants and get away with it. Aaron Rodgers. Thinks he's above the rules. Thinks he well, can do whatever Aaron he Rogers wants. Rodgers went around. He circumvented the rules, and I and I think that's that's where you can hang your hat potentially on, on as somebody who like if you want his head, or even if you want him to be disciplined or the team, he didn't follow the the non vaccinated protocols that someone like Kirk Cousins or Lamar Jackson have submitted to. Right, like those guys are also unvaccinated. But they're doing they're taking the precautions that the league has mandated necessary. But why didn't he follow it, Jim? Why? Because like according said, to Aaron Rodgers, because yeah, well, I mean, he said I follow Lamar the could, ones Lamar that could make the same case, right? Lamar could say I'm Lamar Jackson. I'm not doing any of this stuff either, and I think that's where Aaron Rodgers is really stepped in it. To your point, I mean, he he didn't have to get vaccinated, and the option is always available not to get vaccinated. But then you have to abide by the rules that have been put in place by the league, the testing, the 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 pseudo quarantining. This this again, the stuff that the majority of players in the league are able to do that are not vaccinated. Like no one else is making us think about it, but you're right. I mean, it caught up with him. And now the soundbite of him basically misrepresenting that he was vaccinated or immunized, whatever, like you said, that caught up with him as well. I don't know if it's enough to suspend him. Um, you know, if, if the Packers were, you know, one in six or something or some terrible loop, maybe the league looks at it differently, but they're not going to derail a potential playoff run or even Super Bowl run. At the, it would just be a bad look all around. And frankly, Goodell's got his hands full with the situation in D.C. He's well, got his hands full with OBJ. He's got he's got Henry Ruggs, I mean, driving his Corvette 150. Like, he's got other things that are more pressing than Aaron Rodgers being less than truthful about a vaccine. And Aaron Rodgers apologized today. So right. I think, you know, he took a calculated kind of, guesstimate of where he's at and he wants and it to go away he wants it to go he wants away. it to go away he wants it to go away. and and i think it will and if he's if he's covid clear by saturday i expect him to be in the lineup on sunday i mean they the packers can't risk him not being there for another week i mean uh, mr love just did not perform and we can we can talk about that later but um let, let's i mean there's a couple happenings here in dc as well as well i'm gonna assume you don't know anything because i don't i don't suspect that you follow this team when you don't have to um, but in DC, the big news, obviously uh, coming out of the bye week and, and to me, it's all about the timing here, but Rivera, uh, earlier today released Chris Blewett, uh, the field goal kicker that he just brought in for Hopkins replaced with, uh, Joey Sly, um, a, a former 49ers kicker. He's, he's kicked around the league, including in guess where 
Carolina, right? Mm-hmm. Formerly a Carolina player. Like again, we go back to this this tried and true formula. Ron bringing in guys that he knows from Carolina, staff he knows from Carolina, advisors from Carolina, et cetera, et cetera. But Joey at, at least has got the actual experience. Like Chris Blewett gets to tell, you know, his his kids and grandkids in the future that he played for an NFL team, that he kicked one field goal or two, or however, I think he made two of five or two, two of five were blocked or something to that effect. Like, it's a cool story. But he will be remembered as the guy who replaced Hopkins for basically two games or three games, if he's remembered at all. But anyway, Joey Slide comes in. He's a local kid. Uh, I, I think he went to North, uh, I looked it up earlier, North Stafford High School um, and then Virginia Tech. So um, he's also built like a freaking like middle linebacker. So that, that's interesting too. But, you know, the timing for me, Stevie, is the part that I don't understand. Like, if you were going to make this change, why would you make it after... Like, he, you could have done this last week and had 10 days, almost two weeks to get your new kicker, you know, basically reps in the facility. He, like, the like Joey didn't need to take two weeks off for the bye. Like, he's coming in off the street. He needs the reps, right? He needs to be with the coaches. He needs to be, and not necessarily reviewing film, but just getting reps in. Reps, 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 reps. But... Rivera waits to make it until the Tuesday after the bye. Like I don't, I don't understand the timing here at all. Like, why would you only give him four or five days to prepare instead of twelve to thirteen? Like, I don't, I don't understand this. It's just another weird thing that I think ultimately will bite Rivera in the butt. Joe, I mean, we're talking about a kicker. Don't even go, Allen Iverson. We're talking about practice. I'm talking kickers. I'm talking about a head coach who made a move that he could have made a week ago today instead of last week. Like I'm, I'm, I'm over the Ron Rivera, like his whole bit about culture change and, you know, winning like, you're, you're the process Ron- is more important, blah, blah, blah. Like if you're going to make this change, which he was probably going to make last week anyway, make it last week, l- l- give Joey two weeks to prepare instead of four days. Like, and and not not to mention he canceled all his press stuff today, so we don't get Ron quotes to. to I cannot to, believe to we're talking about a kicker. I mean, with this team, talking about the kicker is akin to a house being on fire, and we're talking about a painting on the wall that's slightly tilted. I mean, you're 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 trying to go in and fix the painting on the wall that's slightly, you know, off center, you and the house so you, is on fire. Okay, so you, I I understand. I understand. Do you, you? Don't find the timing of this precarious? I, I don't care about the timing. I don't care about. I the, care. I think it. I think it says that Ron again is just sitting on his hands and waiting for someone to to to, to make a decision for him. I, I don't understand this at all. Make the change last week, but you're right. It's the kicker. I mean, and and the, what are the did chances that Joey's any, better did, did than they, Dustin? Right? Did they the fix chances? anything on the defense in the bye week? Uh, I think he had a chat with Chase. Oh, good. He had a chat with him. Yeah. What they talk about? Uh, that why he the can't best get quarterback, the quarterback ever is the next opponent. That the Bucks are coming also off a bye week. What are the chances that the football team can actually win this game with Brady coming off an embarrassing loss in New Orleans and a bye week? This is not the white supremacy sign. Zero. Well, no one can see you. This is a this is an audio medium, I'm, so no one can. I'm see I'm making anything. a zero, but it looks like that white supremacy okay. thing that Trump was doing. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. Say, say it. Say it with your with your words so the people okay. can hear it. No one can zero. see. Zero. I am making a zero sign, and I am saying zero. Well, I mean, where, where's Fitz? I think he's still hobbling on crutches. The, the I think the old man. I, I don't think we're going to see Fitzpatrick uh, this season. If he's healthy, if he's healthy, I believe he's got to be the starter. 
Like he, no reps, no nothing. If he is available, he's got to go in and start. I, and and last week, FP and LP were telling me, no, I'm crazy. Just, you know, it's more valuable for Taylor because he's going to be the long-term backup, blah, blah, blah. I don't think we're into talent evaluation mode yet, although we're almost there. But even then, Fitzpatrick is going to be able to throw guys open. He's going to be a little bit more accurate with his passing. He can get the ball down the field. And more importantly, he can call audibles on the line and has seen every defense because he's been in the league for 50 years. So I, to me, if, if Fitz is healthy, he's got to go in. If he's available, he's got to play. I mean, the, 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 I think those two guys you mentioned, FP and LP, are crazy because I think either way, uh, uh, Fitzpatrick has to start. If you're saying the best guy starts, it's Fitzpatrick. If you're saying we're in talent evaluation mode, I actually think Ryan Fitzpatrick allows you to evaluate all 10 other guys better than Taylor Heineke, right? And so I think we haven't gotten a good read on – you know, something that I've been noticing, okay, and I love him, so I'm not killing him. I love him. And, it, you know, I like killing people that everybody else loves. Terry McLaurin leads the league in um, contested catches, which on the surface you say, wow, well, that's great. Scary Terry's catching the ball when there's a defender right next to him. But you dig a little bit deeper and you think, well, wait a second. When have I ever seen Scary Terry catch the ball and he's been wide open without a defender? Or in stride. Able or in to run. stride. Yeah. And then you start thinking, well, wait a second. Is he getting separation from DBs or is there an inability to get separation from DBs and he's having to catch contested balls all the time? Or is it a timing issue like you just said? Is it because Taylor Heineke's not getting the ball in time? I don't know. So having Ryan Fitzpatrick there would allow me, hopefully, to evaluate all those guys better. The O line is their pass protection better. You know, is their pass protection you know better than we think? Is guys, you know, being thrown to on time? Things like that. So I think we are in talent evaluation mode. I I disagree. Yeah, I mean the playoffs are a long <clears throat> shot at this point. And I agree with you. And and I I think I think you need Fitzpatrick in to really see what you've got in Deami Brown. In, in Terry McLaurin and potentially in some of the other receivers and, and pass catchers as well because, you know, Heineke can't hit these guys in stride. And the yards after catch are pathetic because, again, to your point, the balls are either misthrown, they're high, they require Terry to stop his route and jump up and try to grab it or fall to the ground and dive to try to grab it. Like, I don't remember seeing him catching balls in stride the way he did uh, to start you know, two seasons ago, or even last season, if you recall that that opening game, was it two years ago? As a rookie, the first game, his first catch was like a 50, 60-yard bomb uh, from Alex Smith, you know, that he basically caught seven yards, eight yards down the field and then just ran with it. Like, that's where the Scary Terry moniker came from and Jay Gruden was all about it and blah, blah, blah. So, like, we haven't seen that in a long time here. He, he he's you, you make a good point. Is he Is he able to get separation? How much of it is on Terry? How much of it is on the quarterback play? How much of it is on, you know, other factors? What I know is with Fitzpatrick there, we're more likely to get accurate passes downfield with a little bit more zip. And that's something that I've personally noticed, and it really stood out in the in the Green Bay game. Even when receivers were open, like this idea, forget about throwing people open, just delivering the ball on the correct, you know, within the correct cadence of the play Taylor can't consistently do it. I mean, the balls are are they're they're thrown late and there's no zip on it, right? The difference between the the elite quarterback, someone like an Aaron Rodgers, for example, in that same game, 
he can see it late and still get the ball there because he's got a he's got an absolute rocket for an arm. We saw that with Justin Herbert in week one as well. Just Taylor can't do that, right? So he's either it's either there or he's got to tuck it and run, which I would imagine also if you're a skill position and you rely on the quarterback delivering you the ball, you can't do that consistently. Um, by the end of the game, I mean, do you really have the energy to keep running the routes to just be overthrown or, or mm-hmm. dive into the ground? Like, I'm sure that wears on you too. So, uh, I mean, for me, if Fitzpatrick is available, he's got to go in because you also got to figure out if he's coming back next year or not. Like, you've got to evaluate that's all of it. You just made the key point right there is the greatest talent evaluation that needs to be done is for Ryan Fitzpatrick in the sense that we need to know. I mean, uh, are we going to stick with this guy for next year? Or are we going to overhaul this thing again? I mean, he's on a one-year contract, right, Joe? I think he's one with an option for one. But, yeah, I mean, I mean, the Mitch Trubisky play was interesting. Oh, my God. I had to listen to 20 minutes of you guys rambling I, about Mitch Trubisky. Well, it didn't happen, and, and this won't be another 20-minute segment. But if he is better than your current ensemble of quarterbacks that are available to the team. And in that alone, I don't know what they would have had to give up to get him. But he can't be worse than what you, you know. I wasn't going to bring this up. I wasn't going to lay into you guys, okay? But you brought it up, okay? So I'm going to – okay, I hope FP and LP are listening, okay? Because I got some words for them, okay? And if they were here right now, I would lay into them. Your Mitch Trubisky – who was LP fighting for? Not Trubisky. Not Trubisky. Maybe anybody but Trubisky. Whatever. That whole segment, as lovely as it was, missed one <laughs> – major component and the idea that this team this franchise this organization is a cancer is a poisonous organization and so it don't matter who you bring in it don't matter who you kick out anybody that comes near this franchise becomes cancer and gets infected with whatever disease is rolling around in ashburn so it ain't heineke it ain't trubisky I mean, if you brought Tom Brady here, he wouldn't be Tom Brady. So you can all, bring, so everything points back to Snyder, basically. It's a cancer. Well, it is a cancer. I know. Listen, for twenty plus years now, I, I feel like we've been we have been on the same page, and slowly, I think people are understanding that this is this is larger than the, the coach can't change the culture. It, it is not about right? Rivera. Haskins it is not can't about come in and and. I'm going to wear seven and represent that. That's all great. Whatever. That doesn't change the culture, right? The, the only one who's been immune to this disease. And I apologize if I'm using the word cancer. And I know that's a sensitive word. And I apologize for anybody who, who actually has that disease. I didn't mean it like that, but you understand what I'm saying. The only one who's overcome whatever Snyder, Joe Gibbs, Joe Gibbs. Yeah. You're right, because the average win percentage of everyone else, regardless of their tenure here, including Horny for Zorny and Jay, and like all the different ends of the spectrum, right? The coordinator who became coach, the offensive supermind, the defensive supermind, the quarter, the the Super Bowl winning coach, all of them between thirty-seven and forty percent win percentage. The only exception, Joe Gibbs. It's the only uh, exception, uh, uh, and um, that and that was ugly football. That was a, a man, lot of just a, a man among Stephen boys. Davis and Clinton Portis or whoever it was is just a lot of very ugly, you know, twenty to seventeen wins and a lot of uh, you know. Remember his sound bites were always the same. Like he's super tough guy, super smart guy, right? Warriors, Cor- Cor- Redskin. 
Exactly. exactly. James Thrash. James, James, James Thrash. <laughs> but hey, Joe, it, it took a man of Joe Gibbs's character. Well, to because beat Snyder, whatever's because going Snyder on. Because I believe at that time Snyder knew no one. Like Snyder was also somewhat early in his tenure of ownership as well, right? I mean, Joe Gibbs. That second run for Gibbs was two thousand four, five, six ish, right? That's only like five, six years. Like we're 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 fifteen years removed from that. Right, I mean, it, the power and the corruption that has happened around this team, or the, the the rise in value and power for for Snyder in particular. I mean, look at look at the emails from 2012. Just took down a head coach, and the the commissioner ran is running scared that that the you know that Congress is going to get involved. I mean, it, this is a big story, and and I'm not going to put a ton of hope, faith or hope that the Congress is going to be able to do anything with it, but they're going to get a lot closer than Goodell. Goodell clearly has no interest in actually looking into this whatsoever. And again, he's got his hands full with with other more forward-facing, in-your-face issues right now. I mean, the Raiders have let go of two draft picks, two high first-round, second-round draft picks in a, in the span of a week. One because of a, a, just an absolutely terrible um, drunk driving, reckless driving incident that resulted in someone's death. And the second, because this idiot's running around making, you know, IG videos with guns. Like, like who is advising these people? Like who who is advising these these young twenty something year old guys? I mean, Ruggs is twenty one years old or twenty two years old. Like his life is over, and more like and the life he ruined, of course, he is over. Right? So life, yeah, yeah, like he has to live with this now, like for the rest of his life. And someone's life has tragically ended because of a result of an extremely poor decision on his part. Like, like don't tell me it's the whole thing is maddening, Stevie, but. You know, again, to bring it back to DC here, I mean, I don't see an end to the Snyder reign of terror. It just, it's not going to end. Rivera is just going to be an. The problem is Rivera is part of the team that's responsible for deciding the new name of this franchise. Like, you can't, do, like, these guys are, are handcuffed together at this point. So, regardless of how poorly Rivera does, he's here. Him and, 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 and Jay Wright and Ugh. Snyder. We're we're stuck with all these guys. These guys are going to decide the fate and the name of the team, right? And that's why, like, I I don't see the Deshaun Watson thing happening. He would never wave to come here anyway. But like, it's just not going to work. I mean, and there's really no hope in sight here. I mean, Chase, Duran, these guys may not get may not even get extended the way that they're playing right now, right? I mean, you can't you can't really look at either of them and say, hey, you're worthy of an extension in your second and third seasons, respectively. No way, no way. You can't. I mean, you you. Based on performance, you cannot do it. And now Montez is out because he got, you know, his jaw poked or his eyeball or whatever happened. Like, he's injuries suck. I get it. But, I mean, he's not good enough to miss substantial time either. So, I mean, the team is in a free-for-all. And, and honestly, the, the Joey Sly thing is interesting. He's probably better than Chris Blewett. But if he was that much better, he probably would have been signed the first time. So, again, I don't know what Ron is doing, but. Um, I mean the Bucks. There's nothing to talk about with this team. Well, well, okay, but about. they're going to face the Bucks, and I think tomorrow or the day after, we'll probably do a Bucks preview. We'll, we'll we'll see. You know, we'll probably have to come up with some interesting way to cover that game. I don't I don't see any scenario where the football team can win this game. I just don't. Uh, and it has more to do with the Bucks coming off of uh, off a, uh, an embarrassing loss on a bye week than it does anything about the football team. But um, I got the Bucks at four in my power ranking. See if you let me give you my top ten here in reverse order. You see if you can keep up with me on this one. Okay, so. Top 10 teams heading into this week's action. I got the Chargers at 10, Raiders, Bills. I told you the Bills fell all the way down. I got them down at 7. Ravens, Cowboys at 6. And then the Titans at 5. Bucks, Rams, Packers, Cardinals 
uh, going uh, five to one. So Cardinals, Packers, Rams, Bucks, the top four, I've got NFC teams. And then the Titans, even without Derrick Henry, I mean, they won ugly. I think they're going to be okay. I don't know how much Adrian Peterson still has in the tank, but Tannehill has some weapons at receiver. They can sling the ball. They're going to have to. I mean, obviously losing Derrick Henry is going to, is going to be a disaster for them long-term. But again, with a franchise guy like that, you, you can't rush him back. You, you cannot risk that. Um, the Cowboys look really bad against the Broncos. And as our boy, uh, as our boy Ibram out in Denver says, uh, they got the donkey D, right? I mean, they, they, got, they got wrecked by the Broncos. Um, I didn't see that one coming. I know our boy Razzle had put some money on the Cowboys to win that one as well. They, they looked bad from start to finish. Um, I think they're going to be fine though. Long-term they got, they got a lot of games against the NFC East remaining. There's their, their schedule, their, their final win loss is going to look better um, than I think any of us anticipated, you know, and then the Ravens, the Ravens are just this interesting team with an MVP caliber hybrid Swiss army knife quarterback. Who's he's, he's must watch, man. Like I'm not a Ravens guy, but I can't take my eyes off Ravens games now. Like he, he's awesome to watch. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, your top 10 is more or less similar to mine. I'll give you one team that cracked my top 10 that I think we want to spend a minute or two talking about. And I'll introduce them by saying Bill Simmons. Okay. One of my heroes in life. Okay. Great, great sports writer. Is Bill Simmons doing anything right now? He's got the ringer. Still? I think so. I don't think he's doing nothing, okay? Bill Simmons, if you're listening, okay, you should come on the show, okay? Yeah, he's got nothing going on. Um, he had something called the Ewing Theory. I don't know if you're familiar with the Ewing Theory, but it's basically when a star player goes out of the lineup, gets injured, and the team gets better uh, after the player gets injured or leaves the team. That always happened with Patrick Ewing, right? The Knicks always played better when Ewing wasn't on the court. The Cleveland Browns are the Ewing theory right now. I mean, they looked awesome against a really good Bengals team, a rival team in Cincinnati to beat them that way with Nick Chubb playing that way with Baker finally free to throw to whoever the hell he wanted to, whoever was open. The Browns are in my top 10 and I loved the way they just whooped on the Bengals 41 to 16. I, I like the Bengals. I think the Bengals are a good team. But what they did to them, talk about a complete team. When you have Miles Garrett causing havoc uh, against opposing quarterbacks, you can run the ball with Chubb, and you still have weapons with Jarvis Landry, Austin uh, uh, Hooper. Uh, huh? Hooper, yeah, Hooper, David and Joker. Like they got I'm they saying got they've got they weapons. The Browns are going to be a better team without OBJ. And you mentioned the Ravens, and the Ravens are must-see TV. Lamar Jackson is playing incredible. That was a great game against the Vikings. They win in overtime. Can we talk about the Vikings for a second, though? Well, finish your point first. My my point is that uh, Odell Beckham Jr. should call Lamar Jackson and go play with him. Well, he should beg him to have the Ravens bring him on board. I don't think they'll do that because I think I think Harbaugh is a – He's a big character guy. I just don't see him doing that, to be honest. I think it, any risk of disturbing the locker room is not something that will appeal to him. But, I mean, on the, in that game in particular, I ended up that, that game was on local TV here in D.C. I ended up watching a, a fair amount of it. Um, and we had a lot of money on the Cardinals. Uh, sorry, on the Vikings as well. Uh, there was a, a boost in FanDuel, the FanDuel Sportsbook, uh, for the Falcons. I think it was Falcons and uh, Vikings to win. We put a fair amount of money on it. And the Vikings looked... Good. Not great, but good. Kirk looked great for two and a half quarters. 
And then unfortunately, he did what he did what Kirk has become known for, which is he just can't complete passes like this from the the fourth quarter on. Like he he just turns into a different player. And I don't know. Like historically, we would defend. We would basically say it's not the quarterback; it's the play calling got more conservative. I really just think it's Kirk. I just think something happens where he sees the defenses the first time through. And this is consistent, I think, throughout his career. He's always had success in the first and second quarter. And you, you got to imagine that he's he's able to identify defenses, make adjustments, audibles, whatever. Something happens at halftime. It's like like the, the you know the defensive unit adjusts their play calling or something. And he's just so not productive in the second half of games. And they had the, the the Ravens dead to rights, man. They had them. They were down like what twenty one points at one point, or four, at least fourteen, maybe twenty one at some point during that game. At least maybe fourteen or seventeen. But Lamar just methodically just picked apart that defense. The defense started to get winded. The drives got longer. Eventually goes to overtime, and, and ultimately they they end up winning. It's just very interesting because I I am a Kirk guy, and I really wish he was still here in DC. But I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole. Um, but he he's a different player in the fourth quarter. Like some players, you 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 want the ball in their hands. You want to you want that last possession, right? The Brady's, the Rogers, potentially the Matt Stafford's, like the guys that you know can go get you points at the end of a game quickly. Uh, Lamar is a good example of that too. In in recent weeks and, and years, he's been able to get it done as well. Kirk was never going to be that guy. He's never going to be that guy. So. It's almost a shame to say, but it's the truth. I mean, he's never going to be the guy that if you need to go, you know, you, you need to go 60 yards to win the game. He's just not going to be able to do it. And it, and it sucks because I like him as a, as a dude. But, yeah, I mean, they lost that game. Then they had they had, The Ravens had no business winning it. And on OBJ, um, I don't buy the animosity between him and Baker, I think Baker handled him, handled himself very well. Also in the post game, saying "I wish him luck" and there's no hard feelings. You, you think they were friends? No, I. But I no. But I also don't think that OBJ's got balls big enough to make a stink. Like the, the fact that he has his dad doing it, I think says more about OBJ than it does about anybody else, right? Like, like is his dad really watching the game that close to be putting stuff out there, or is he is is, is OBJ you know more? I don't want to say coward, but is he? So petty to the point that he, he's getting his dad to do his dirty work for him. Are you like, saying OBJ's not like a T.O. type? I mean, T.O. had balls, had bigger balls than anybody. Uh, T.O. backed it up on every team he played for. T.O. went out there, never missed a game for injury as far as I remember. I mean, that guy was always – I mean, he, I'm sure everybody played, missed Played games, in the Super Bowl with a broken he, ankle. He was always out there. And he was he was ultimately a team first guy. I mean, you remember him crying over Romo and stuff like – like. Uh, Team first is the wrong analogy. Maybe maybe the wrong phrase there. But he didn't throw anybody under the bus. I don't remember him throwing people under the he bus. Am I wrong? Paul McNabb under the bus saying he threw up during the huddle in the Super Bowl. <laughs> like, <laughs> You're right. No, no, he hated McNabb. Didn't oh, he fight? Yeah. Who did he fight in the locker room? Was it? Uh, the only wasn't... clip I remember forever for T.O. is a, I know, it's a lost clip that no one seems to have from like some mic'd up session review with the 49ers and the team was like doing some rah-rah thing and he was walking around by himself. Go team. <laughs> team. That's you. Um, I remember that. Yeah. He, well, he, it, did he fight Jeremiah Trotter or was it uh, Hugh Douglas like, or something like but, that? But it's a different league. I mean, uh, Terrell Owens in, in modern, in modern NFL would be a ton of fun to watch with the social media com- component as well. It'd be awesome. But but on OBJ in particular, I don't think the Ravens are the best spot for him. I, I see, I could see him potentially going to the Packers. 
um, or down to New Orleans. I mean, I, I think Sean Payton would look at him and say, hey, I, need, I you know, somebody who can – he's not going to stretch the field. He's he's basically a possession receiver at this time. He'll make the acrobatic catches, but um, I don't see him going back to New York. I know some people were floating that as well. I mean, New York is desperate for wide receivers. The only team I know he should not go to is the Washington football team. Uh, I, I don't want him anywhere near this team. I think it would be interesting for off-the-field circus component, but – no one will derail the development of Terry McLaurin faster than, than Odell. Well, I, I mean, I think he's insisting on playing for a contender. So I don't think that's an option, which he should. I mean, and, and he should, what's crazy. He's only 28 years old. Like he's still, I mean, I mean, pro- politically, um, I think Seattle needs to keep Russell Wilson happy. And I think he's made a stink before about them not getting uh top notch people around him. So I think, you know, Seattle makes sense. I think if you're Pete Carroll, you kick the tires around a little bit around OBJ, see his level of interest. And I think a leader like Russell Wilson can kind of keep him under wraps a little bit. Um, and like you said, he's not going to stretch the field. They have Tyler Lockett. I mean, they've got their deep threat. Could be a nice little one-two combo in that NFC West. Yeah, I mean, do you see any – I mean – I, I could maybe see him. I mean, the Patriots probably not. I mean, maybe, maybe the Raiders. I mean, the Raiders obviously just lost Henry Ruggs. The Raiders make sense. Yeah, I mean, the Raiders need need receiving help as well. I mean, uh, I mean, maybe Andy Reid takes a flyer on him in Kansas City. But the problem is, no, I don't know if there's a volume. I don't know if there's enough volume for him in any of those environments. It, with the, even with Seattle, like, how does he? How, I mean, he's not your number one or number two option in that offense. He can't be, right? I mean, the team's not built that way. With the Packers, you could probably make that case that he steps, he, he slides in into that number two comfortably in that number two receiver spot, but he wasn't happy with that in Cleveland. So I, I don't know why he would be happy with that anywhere else. You know, I think again he's a contender. In a, in I was going to say Oakland in Vegas, he steps right in as a number one with a proven quarterback who loves to sling the ball around and a good tight end and who's and a Darren great Waller. leader. And Darren Waller also, also got, good... got two running backs that are very good and, and high performing right now. All of a sudden, Josh Jacobs looks like an NFL running back. And Kenyon Drake, uh, I mean, that, that guy was literally, they picked, they plucked him off the scrap heap. I mean, Miami was done with him. Nobody wanted to touch him. And he, they're, they're both producing. I mean, they're, they're making a shift there. It, it's surprising, actually, to see that team rally the way they have, given they lost a coach and two players in the span of about four weeks or five weeks. Um, they're, they're still playing very high-caliber football. Maybe, I mean. Or, or if, if Brady is running a baby wide receiver boot camp uh, kind of daycare with Antonio Brown. You just throw him in there with AB. Sure. I mean, yeah. But OBJ's got a ring, doesn't he? Does he have a ring? Does Not with the G-Man. Yeah, you're right. I don't no, he wasn't. He wasn't on. I mean, last uh, ring they won was in 11. He wasn't there. Yeah. So can I, can I, so I know it's probably too early for this, but the playoff picture in the NFL, right now the Cardinals and the Titans would have the bye weeks. And the bubble teams, I think the middle of the pack. So AFC, uh, Ravens would be two, Chargers three, Bills four, Raiders five, Steelers, Steelers at six. And then the Patriots would be sneaking in in the seventh seed as of right now on this moment with the Chiefs and the Browns and the Bengals all looking uh, outside looking in, Broncos two. And the Colts aren't far behind. The Colts are actually playing some really good football right now also all of a sudden. In the NFC, you got the Cardinals in the one with the bye, and then you got Packers, Bucks, Cowboys, Rams, Saints, and Falcons. Uh, so three NFC South teams getting in. The Falcons sitting at four and four. Uh, you know they wish they could have that Washington football team lost back. 
And then the uh, Panthers, Vikings, Seahawks, and Niners. I mean, it's poop. It's a poop spectacular after that point. Um, yeah, the Washington football team is down at 15 right now. Just one spot ahead of the lowly Lions. So um, it, it's still a little bit too early for the, the playoff picture, but I think we're going to learn a little bit more about the better teams this week. Um, and we'll, we'll see what happens. But, you know, at least here in D.C., I'm not expecting a win from the football team. We'll cover that a little bit more later on, but... Um, Stevie, before we let you go, I know it's been a couple of weeks, but give me your thoughts on the World Series. I mean, uh, we haven't we haven't had a chance to catch up since the uh, the Astros laid an egg, a big, big, fat egg. Um, ultimately, the Braves end up winning in six, if I'm not mistaken, um, in very in very non dramatic fashion. It was it was not close in the end. What were your thoughts on that? I well, mean, Matt, Matt um, was Matt was disappointed that it wasn't a better series, which I found to be interesting. You know, six games is not, I mean, it wasn't a sweep, but the games that were blowouts were really, really bad. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, you, you're not going to get a great series every single time. Uh, you know, I thought it was two good teams, pretty even teams. And, and you know, the Braves were just hot. And, you know, you say the Astros, you know, flopped or, or you know, whatever. Not really. I mean, they ran into a beast and Max Freed and, and, you know, they won game five, but it's only because uh, this series would have been a lot worse. If I'm talking to Matt, this series would have been a lot quicker and bigger blowout. If Charlie Morton doesn't break his ankle, you know, in, in the second inning of game one and he's, you know, it leaves for the rest of the series. So the Braves were ended up basically doing two bullpen games. They won one of them in game four and then lost game five. And the only reason that, the Astros won game five was because they were setting up Max Freed and Ian Anderson to be ready for six and seven. So, you know, the Astros were essentially throwing the kitchen sink in game four and game five because they got behind and had to play catch up. So all of that to say the Braves were in control of this series from start to finish. The Braves were the better team from start to finish. The Braves had the better bats. The Braves had the better pitching and the Braves deserved to win this series and I couldn't have been happier for them. It's weird. They're one of our rivals here. Yeah, in I mean, I was just about to ask, like, do you, do you, I've never understood that we cheer for division rivals bit, right? Because you no. get to see the World Series champ X number of times, or is it just something, is there no, some prestige no, no, brought no, no, to the no, division no, no, no. because of it? No, not really. No, like I would never cheer for the Phillies. I would never cheer for Bryce, uh, which by the way, they announced the NL MVP finalists and there are three MVP finalists. They are uh, Fernando Tatis Jr., one Bryce Harper and the goat Juan Soto Pacheco. Okay. So hopefully uh, Soto brings home the MVP honors. If I had to bet and if Razzle's listening, I would bet all my money that Bryce Harper will actually win the MVP for the NL uh, In the AL. It's Shohei Otani. It? Yes. Uh, in the AL it's Shohei Otani, Vlad Guerrero and uh, Marcus. They did not, they did not qualify for the postseason, Correct. Um, none of the three did, though. Right. But I have a problem with that. I know, like, most valuable to your team, but you weren't valuable enough to get them to the playoffs. Like, just always a hard sell for me. I understand that's a regular season award, but... Well, it's not a regular... I mean, yeah, it's a regular season award, and it's a numbers game. So, I mean, you're just looking at all of these statistical numbers. Bryce Harper, you know, fair or unfair, you know, the the, the numbers don't come with asterisks around... You know, where you down by five, down by 10, and you're just padding your stats. You know, you can make the case for Juan Soto. I mean, Soto really padded his stats towards the end of the season when teams were pitching to him because they weren't afraid of 
you know, the Nats because we stunk so badly. So, you know, he, they were giving up these big homers to him because the rest of the team sucks. So I digress. Congratulations to the Braves, the better team. You couldn't have been happier for a guy like Freddie Freeman. I mean, as much as I hate the Braves. Did you see him out, uh, see him out trick-or-treating as himself? That, uh, well, that he was wasn't really, as himself. He was with his kid, and he saw somebody in his Yes, that was his current year. That, that, that's an older video. But, yeah, I mean, this is a great guy. He's just he's an all-around great guy. <laughs> um, you, you know, a lot of good guys on that team. You're happy for them, and you're happy the Astros didn't win, right? We all hate the I Astros. I am happy so, the Astros didn't win. Yes, you know, the, these guys are – these guys, ever since they stopped cheating, are the bridesmaids, never the bride. You know, the – only way point, they've continued to show up to the dance, right? And and that that's because well, they're that's good baseball players. I mean, that's like saying Barry Bonds wouldn't hit any home runs if he was on steroids. Well, that's not true. Or if he wasn't on steroids, he'd hit 400 home runs, but on steroids, he hit 700. You know, so these guys are good baseball players that were using a, a little bit of an or quite an advantage oh, yeah, to win true. the World Series. Yeah, I mean, if you know which pitch is coming, that's a big advantage. That's a big advantage. Anyway, well, it's good to get your thoughts on it. Um, am I going to be able to track you down later this week for part two of this show? Do I mean, you have more to share for is the, Virginia uh, a Republican state? Okay, what kind of question is right. that? It's, a, it's dark red right now. That's right. How that's do you right. feel about that? Okay, you, 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 I haven't, I haven't heard from you. Okay, um, I was surprised. I was surprised. Is Virginia I, a Republican state? Don't, no, don't, don't. It's not. It's, it's a not moderate state. It's a moderate state. I mean, if you look at the the like the county map, yeah, it's strong red with basically Richmond, Northern Virginia, and, and Newport News, uh, purple, bluish, right? But uh, Yunkin ran a very, very strict, focused, especially in the last couple of weeks. It just was all about basically parent parent involvement in schools. I mean that that he became a solo issue politician and that's what that's what carried him to the end and frankly terry mcauliffe stepped in it the, the day before the election you know going out and basically doubling down on his his absolutely asinine comments that parents don't have a say in their parent in their kids education i mean it cost them the election i mean you had lifelong you know blues basically coming on saying like I, I can't support somebody who tells me that the my children are property of the the the, the county school system like that that's that's a terrible argument so it's more of Terry lost it than than Yunkin won it, but it's a clean sweep. I mean, mm-hmm. the red. I mean, it, Team Red is a solid victory, and and Yunkin deserves credit for the amount that for one voter turnout specifically in Fairfax and Loudoun County, closing a lot of the gaps. I mean, I, I'm sure you watched your boy King right on the the King board or whatever on CNN. I I've actually started watching more MSNBC these days. I don't I don't know what draws me to Rachel Maddow, but uh, it's not the haircut. I, I'm fascinated by her pending potential move, I guess, off of MSNBC. I don't know who's gonna, who's crazy enough to fill in for her, you know, moving forward. I mean, there, there's well, no talent left, but. Um. I mean, to, to take it back to, to sports, I mean, Youngkin ran a good campaign. And he, I mean, I would like to get your thoughts on if he actually created the playbook for the Republicans in 22 in the midterms with this kind of dance with Trump where he kind of keeps him at arm's length. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> brings him in. But McAuliffe, you know, the Democrats in a state like Virginia, which is blue, like you just said and you just admitted, just don't be insane. Just yeah. don't be insane. That's I mean, talk about losing moderates, it. Moderates have a place in the current political environment or market. Yunkin is more of a moderate than McAuliffe. Um, that's my opinion. 
McAuliffe really wasn't helped by the larger Team Blue either, though, right? Especially in Virginia, where D.C. politics... Like, D.C. politics uh, are international politics, but to us, they're local. Like, they, they impact us in a different way because D.C.'s, you know, a stone's throw away. You're in D.C. right now, right? So it's it's a little bit different. Like, it's international news, national news. For us, it's local news. So when the Biden administration is unable to get things done, like the infrastructure bill, when the vaccine policies aren't being received with open arms, as expected, like there, there isn't much right now for, there wasn't much for McAuliffe to hang his hat on or champion at the next level up, right? Where Yunkin didn't even have to point and say, well, I'm not that guy. He, he just, like I said, he was laser focused on they're your kids. You should be in charge of their education and just kept beating that drum for the last 10 days of the leading up to the election. But McAuliffe didn't have, he didn't have a platform beyond, you know, like he lost the, the school board platform and Biden and Harris really didn't give him anything larger to hang his hat on. Like they're really like, and I'm not saying this cause I'm, I'm, I am a more conservative person. It's been a very rough first year for Biden and his administration. I mean, there isn't much, if anything, that really has gone well for them. I mean, and there's, I mean, this has been a very, very tough year. And I think if it doesn't improve there, yeah, it's not shaping up well for, for the blues going into the, the midterms next year. I mean, and I don't know if it's so much a playbook to be honest, Stevie, I think Youngkin just got lucky. I think he rode that the, the cresting wave at just the right time. And again, McAuliffe cost him the he he stepped him he stepped in it himself. I, I don't think Yunkin really really beat him. I, I think the timing, the poor choice of words, and doubling down really just cost him the election. And it was bad weather, but the turnout was super high. I the mean, turnout super was super high, high and, and but you're right. I mean, I think the Democrats kind of took Virginia for granted. I mean, running a recycled, you know, Clinton, yeah. you know, career politician. I mean, talk about exciting the base. I mean, are you freaking kidding me? I mean, who was excited to go and these are the same. I mean, if you're excited for voting for McCullough, if you were excited for voting for Clinton in 16, I mean, this, this well, you were excited for Biden also. I mean, Biden's unfortunately very, very old and not very exciting. Exactly. So, you know, the, the, the Republicans did well. They picked, uh, you know, uh, outsider business guy, successful. Yeah. The, the big, the big win for the Republicans is they also won the, the, you know, Virginia house, right. As well. So, I mean, Youngkin actually can do, can undo some of the changes that have been kind of forced upon the Commonwealth or throughout the Commonwealth. I mean, he's already talking about the grocery tax and some other things. I mean, he can, he's, he's, you know, come January one, he's going to have the ability to make meaningful change if he, if he so chooses. Um, but yeah, I mean, Virginia is a very interesting case study for the larger midterm elections in, you know, about, you know, whatever, 12 months from now, 11 months from now. Um, I told you my platform for a winning candidate, like when or when somebody I know runs is I'm going to I got to get into someone's ear. These are the three things I care about moving forward. OK, amongst everything else. The first one, we got to end daylight savings time. Daylight savings time is stupid. OK, we don't need an extra hour of daylight in the morning. We need it in the afternoon. So we need to be on standard time and daylight savings. It's stupid. That's the first thing that a the that I want my, my perfect politician to do. The second thing, term limits across the board. Nobody should be allowed to just be a career politician. It's a it's a civil service post. You're supposed to leave a job to go serve the public and then return to your job. Like you, anyone with the, no one should be allowed to be a career politician. It doesn't matter what party they're in. Eight years maximum across the board. <coughs> 
That's not a job. Like politics is not a job. That's the second thing. And then the third one, we got to stop campaign text messages at all costs. I don't know anyone who's sitting around making a decision the night before an election because somebody got a text message. They got a text message from somebody. It's totally unnecessary. Those are my three things. And I, I feel like everybody would support me on those three. I mean, I, I feel like everyone should support me on those three. It would help if you would unmute yourself. These are the times that I wish people could see the show because then they would understand oh, the hysteria. That moment of panic when you realize you know, you're talking it's, it's on It's been mute. 50 minutes and I've been using this cough button, okay? Because I've been coughing like crazy. And you haven't heard me cough once. I've been crushing it with this cough button. And finally, it comes to bite me in the butt. That's how you know I'm done. Do you do, do, I just got to get you on the record. Do you agree or disagree with, uh, with my take? I agree with your candidacy, Joe. You let me know when you're running. Yeah, okay. All right. I got, I, DTC I got to the White House, baby. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. Well, go get a cough lot. Go get a lodgings or something. For you. I mean, yeah, you, <laughs> the cough here it comes. You see it. I, I've been, I, I've been, I, I mean, I see it and I I've appreciate you hitting it, the okay? button. You're, you're dumping your own audio. I exactly. appreciate it. You're making it easier for me in post edit, but, um, Okay, let, let's park it there, Stevie. We hit our mark. I appreciate you making time, buddy. Thank you for coming on. Welcome back yeah. to the show. My pleasure. Hopefully, we get you back on later this week with uh, either with Matt or maybe, maybe if I can track down our, I won't call him the stab boy because he didn't like that name, but uh, Tony, Tony, Tony. We'll see if we can pull him back into this mix. Hey, uh, hit me up with the Bucks preview, okay? I'd like to ask uh, some Bucks experts some questions. Oh, we can do that as well. Very close to locking in a Bucks beat reporter. It's actually a Tom Brady, former Tom Brady reporter. I'm not going to release the just follows him around. Yeah, he actually helped uh, ghostwrite uh, one of his early, one of his first TB12 books. So I'm, I am actively working on that. Hopefully, going to lock that down. Hopefully for Wednesday. Get Giselle on. Let's go. I'm working on it, Stevie. I'm working on it, man. I'm working on it. Trying to make this thing happen. But uh, anyway, thank you, Stevie. My name is Joe. This is the Defeating the Curse podcast available on all social media platforms if you want to follow the show, available on all, on all podcast platforms if you want to listen to the show. YouTube, TuneIn, Spotify, Apple, Google, you name it, we are there. Just search Defeating the Curse or DTC. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, be well. We are out. <laughs>